Should we start again? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, after that side, not. Uh... So, what is as again as as the Swedish call it, Furkenstocken? <laughs> uh, Stockholm syndrome is basically where a hostage or a group of hostages start to feel sympathy towards their captors. This can be as little as caring about uh, the sentence that they get to as keeping in touch to basically having sex with them or living with them or working with them. The or Saw whatever. syndrome. Saw syndrome. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've seen Saw. It gets to the point where the lines start to blur on who's actually the hostage and or whether they're just a willing participant in whatever is going on anymore. Whether that be bank robbery, kidnapping, or whatever. It's said to be part of a survival mechanism and many experts even recommend those in a hostage situation to actually fake... That's what it. I think. Like we're going to cover some of the cases. Obviously, we're doing the the, the OG how we got his name, Stockholm syndrome. But we're going to cover cover a couple of other cases where I don't actually think they cared. I think they're pretending to care. Yeah. Because it humanizes you. I think it's the definite thing where it's such a high stress situation, and those are sort of the situation where couples that have gone through horrible shit together and then stay together eventually, often even if apart from there's like violence and shit like that, then that's different. But if something just kind of extraneous happens to you, you bond together because adversity kind of links you in like you know, our human condition. So especially if you can sympathize with the person, I think it makes you immediately stop becoming an issue and then seeing you as a person rather than just something that you're there, just there. Yeah, it's said by a study by the FBI that only 8% of hostages show observable characteristics of Stockholm Syndrome. Which I think is quite a lot, really. 8%. I think so. Well, that's quite a low amount. I think that's quite a high... For, think about how shit being a hostage is. Yeah. Because I feel like the problem is, though, they take... This statistics are coming from not just I've walked in a room, now I'm hostage. This is I go in, I get... A, I carjack you and you're mm. in the car. And I, it's, uh, I, I abduct guess. you. It's, it's from all of these... It's not just from the straightforward we're negotiating for your life kind of thing. It's like if you're just brought along for the ride, even if you're not necessarily a hostage per se, and you're just kind of there, those the why. I, that's why I think the number's so high. Because I think actually if it was just in hostage situations, I honestly think it would be a bit lower. Fair enough. And I mean, but then again, what am I to say about it? I read things on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and this is an FBI study, so let's not so get into the ethics of how they got those results. Mm. And they just they slapped were. babies somehow. They're like, what? How could that possibly show? Only 8% of babies survived. <laughs> yeah, and so that's how we got our numbers. So uh, the term is used to describe the characteristics that were first seen from hostage. And I don't think they were first seen. I think this was the first time they were recorded yeah, properly. Because this was such... this The first case that we're going to talk about today was so high profile. I don't know necessarily fully around the world at the start, but in the country, because it takes place in Sweden... And it was such a huge national story because it was this bank robbery, which we'll go into, which took place over six days. So it's a very long, very, like, ridiculous situation, though, as well. So the day was August the 23rd in 1973. Um, a man wearing sunglasses and a wig. This man in question was Jean, Jean-Eric Ulsson. Ulsson. And uh, he was an escaped convict who had uh, failed to return to prison because he was on day release yeah he had been on a sentence for I, th- I think he'd served three or four years for yeah he was serving three years for grand larceny but he'd been on he'd been on such good behavior and sweden's actually i think great for this because again there's gonna be some people who take advantage of it but their 
prison system is actually a refor- reformatory system rather than punishment based yeah. jars is and america like the leaders of just the punishment for punishment's sake so there's a lot of things where the human rights are so are very taken care of and you're actually very well taken care of in prison because you're if you're in prison you're viewed as something that's gone wrong with you to have led this far away from society so you kind of really need to fix you so you can go come be a yeah, cog again in the machine and... that is society but um unfortunately this came <laughs> he was on day release he decided to burst into the now get ready for some words. Sven Gunnus Credit and Banking, which I just think means bank. Yeah. Her, her bank in Stockholm in the Normstrong Square. So uh, upon walking, because actually I've seen the footage, he walks in pretty casually. <laughs> and it, he is looking as 70s as can be. He's wearing bell bottoms. <laughs> he is cool as a cucumber when he walks in. Pulls out a submachine gun, starts shooting into the ceiling, and of course, it's you're robbing a bank. It's a very cinematic thing. Unfortunately, Die Hard hadn't started, but then this is this is the most this is a pretty Die Hard whole robbery yeah. because the thing he shouts and he puts on a full American accent. Like, let me, he's like grabs out the bat and he's like, the party's just begun. She starts shooting into the sky, just ripping off, and everyone starts screaming. He then demands that everyone. Uh, Gets on the floor, and uh, before he like tells them, uh, before he tells them to set off the alarm, we also um he grabs a radio out because it's just also what he's got with him in his pocket. <laughs> he's yeah. got he's got a machine gun, gun. He's got on his list gun, comma one, radio, wig, glasses. <laughs> it's a very simple robbery kit, really. <laughs> so he puts his radio out, and he turns it actually onto the Swedish radio station, which is just called a. Uh, Radio P3. It's Radio P3. <laughs> Quite a smart move, though. I mean, it's a fucking very smart move. Like, so you can hear exactly just, what they're talking about. Yeah, I've only just thought about it. But then it, you, you're up to date with all the news on what's going on. So um, by this time, like, I know we've obviously introduced who the guy is, but police have absolutely no idea who he is. Yeah. So well, obviously, he's got sunglasses, a fake nose. sunglasses and a and hat, hat on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> he's putting in his fake American accent. As far as they're considered, he could be anyone on holiday. Not this guy who's just clearly escaped from prison. So um, the alarm actually goes off, and then after a couple of minutes, the police sort of turn up there, and the first people to go on is this criminal inspector, Warpenfeld. He's one of the first people who actually gets there, and the, the first thing that the, the, the robber does, he's like, "You a policeman?" And he's like, "Yes." And then he's like, "Drop the weapon." <laughs> it's a strong thing. Then he literally shoots at the policeman twice and screams everyone down. So he actually wounds this first policeman. So he actually shoots him in the uh, in the gun arm and uh, then he just literally, this Varpenfelt, and then him and the two other officers that were approaching just like, get the fuck out of there. Then uh, someone else walks in, because again, this bank's just open. It's, yeah, just, it's... it's just an open bank. No one's like hiding. And then he literally walks in and this guy, Morgan Rylander, just goes in, secret gun, not got his gun out because that's baller. Just walking, yeah. he's like, "Oh no, I'm here for the banking." Ah, buzzard, I'm depositing my IKEA monies. You know, you know the, the Swedish um, currency, IKEA dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was all in meatballs. Oh, oh yeah, it's entirely in meatballs. <laughs> it's meatballs, and it's like how we have pounds and um, coin, and notes and um, pat and coins. Yeah, meatballs, meatballs and dime bars. <laughs> No, meatballs and the sauce. <laughs> and uh, oh, before before we go over there, yeah, so uh, we we actually love you, 
Sweden. Sweden. We, I, I've we, never we, been to Sweden. You're very expensive. It, apparently, if I've been to IKEA. <laughs> Well, that was when I had the, I had the £140 bar tab at the hotel. That's the most expensive bar tab I want. I like spent six that, drinks. I once spent that in a... Like, I've done that on a night when you spend 140 quid in one pub. Oh, yeah, I'd done that before. I was like, oh, well, that was I've, bad. I've done it... Do you know what's worse is? I did it once in a Weatherspoons, and they grouped all my payments together. So instead of doing all the, showing me all my individual <laughs> gin and tonic by him, <laughs> and they grouped it all together. I was like, I came out the next day, it was like £126 in a Weatherspoons. Like, how? How have I done this? <laughs> It was like, this was like before, like now it's... Did you not hear that? Was that me in my head? That was you in your head, I think. Me in my own head. Um, I can't even remember what the story was anymore. I completely... I've gone off track. Anyway, so this other policeman goes in and this is going to be the person who's essentially going to be the point of communication between the police and uh, the bank. This guy, Morgan Rylander. So it's at this point that the... Un, as far as he's concerned, we know it's... Jen Clark Olsen or whatever yeah. his name is. We know it's him. As far as they're concerned, it's just this random guy. And he's like, right, this is what I want. I want you to bring Clark Olsen here. Olsen. I want you to bring Clark Olsen. Oh, yeah. Three million kroner. A mix in Swedish and foreign currency. A getaway car. A fast car. He's actually asking for Tracy Chapman's fast. That's what the thing they were misunderstood. It was Tracy Chapman's fast car. Uh. <laughs> was, that was his um, summer jam. And uh, you just really... <laughs> But he also asked, but yeah, he wanted a he wanted a car with a full tank of petrol, two guns. He hasn't got enough because again, gun comma one. <laughs> and uh, the the release of inmate Clark Olofsson. Yeah, how fucking bula? <laughs> yeah. Do you have to be to in the middle of a robbery? Like the action in the middle. This is right at the start. <laughs> like just, this is a. Fucking event. This is literally the first five minutes of this robbery. He's like, you need to bring me a prisoner. <laughs> Not only a prisoner, a one who's in for armed robbery Re- and accessory to murder. murder. He was a famous criminal, though. Like, you know how everyone has their... He was like the kind of Robin Hood... People viewed him as sort of like a Robin Hood-esque figure. Yeah. Because I think he was quite an attractive man for the 70s. And I think he was very dashing and debonair. And it seemed to be like he would... Didn't mind fucking with police, but he only fucked with police. Maybe other criminals as well, though. We don't know. But because the, the attempted murder was on a policeman. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, because he was, he was a real notorious prisoner at this time. So people knew who he was because he was a bank robber. So it's kind of it kind of makes sense for a random bank robber to ask for a better bank robber. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> but should never be the option given. That's always like, no, you can't ask for another bank robber. Why would we give you another person to help you? And so that's what everyone's thinking. They Obviously, he got none of those things, except he got Olufsen. Yep. The guns. The helmets. <laughs> no car, though. No car or road. I imagine they were tall. Talks. The hey, car, car was there. The car would have been the first thing I would have shown him. Yeah. It was just, just a Tracy here. Chapman record. <laughs> there it is. You can have it in a minute. Um. That car can take us anywhere. <laughs> I've actually no idea how he, uh, how he, how they got all this. But what the best thing about this? During all of this, Rylander is walking back and forth between the bank <laughs> and the police. Just him. Still got a secret gun though. Hasn't brought oh, yeah. a secret gun ready for it any time. Well, I think Clark was brought in to be that link between. Um, Jan Eric and the police as well. 
so but they then... already had the thing is they literally had him and then they were like well we'll trade you guys out then shall we <laughs> well, you, well we've got two criminals it's only fair if you get all your police back <laughs> it's just it's just fucking crazy but um, also while this is all happening because they're bringing like cigarettes and shit for everyone because it's the 70s and everyone needs to yeah, continuously be smoking so they're bringing in all this back and forth and they, they've got fucking Olsen Olufsen from because he's not in Stockholm he's in a prison f- fucking other side of Sweden <laughs> like they, they went and go and got him as they're bringing cigarettes back and forth and this is still this is the first like few days and they're like yep alright then we'll have to but they also, they brought them half the money. Also, if you're in a bank... You have the money! Take the money from the bank! Why are you going to a bank and asking for more money? <laughs> this whole thing is insanity. I feel like that's how this this became the first case of Stockholm Syndrome. Because if someone came and did it, the audacity of someone <laughs> coming and just doing this. Because it's like, it's that whole thing, like, ask for more than you think you deserve because you know you're going to eventually get lower. He was like, bring me this prisoner. This is the first thing we did. <laughs> and half of the money he asked for. So it's like, oh, shit. Maybe I should have gone bigger. <laughs> Release all of the prisoners? <laughs> and a helicopter? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll get a rocket. I'll have a rocket. <laughs> and so what you know, we're giving you three grenade launchers instead of a rocket. I was like, well, I meant a spaceship, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Why them. not? What? Hugo Durgin? Oh, is this a mouth confocken? <laughs> Build your own weapons A little Ikea assembly <laughs> weapon kit Ah, oh, it's got so much plutonium Do I need all of this plutonium? Why do I have four extra pieces of plutonium? Surely I shouldn't <laughs> Fuck, they want me to go at the start uh, Where are we? So, um, <laughs> here we are, yeah At this point, once Clark's arrived They decide to barricade themselves in the inner Main section of the vault Because oh, yeah. they're in the vault <laughs> They're not only just in the police, and the police have fucking surrounded this place now. They are like snipers on all the roofs across, because it's in a square. Yeah. And they're there just, and this, we'll put obviously loads of the photos, and the police are just, and none of the police, what's the best thing about it? Half the police are plainclothes officers, and they do not look like police, because they just look <laughs> like, they look like the cast of, um what's that fucking 70s porno film? Uh, God. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, big place, big dick guy. Oh, uh, uh, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights. Yeah, they look like the fucking cast of Boogie Nights. They're all their <laughs> fucking sniper rifles and shit. So yeah, this was the, the start of a six-day hostage situation, which is incredible. But yeah, especially seeing it as for six days, the police were inside the bank because they're inside the vault. They're not that. The police are inside of the bank with them. With Jan, Eric, and Clark. Getting to, they just started getting to know the hostage because they're just in a dark room because they've cut the police start immediately. The first thing they do is like make you uncomfortable. So they uh, yeah. cut the power. So they're like, they're in the dark, like in this fucking thing. I feel like they they, they kept asking them if everyone was okay, if they were cold enough. And they even, um, Clark gave one of the bullets from his gun to one of the hostages as a keepsake. Yeah. Which this is like early doors where you're like, yeah, why not? There you go, sure. Have a, have this bullet, and the, they kept trying to contact everyone, but their police were just blocking all the calls from actually leaving the bank, yeah. so they couldn't actually contact him. So they were so worried, maybe that they would contact more fucking prisoners or contact <laughs> anyone in power, and they would immediately give them everything <laughs> they asked for. Sure, nuclear weapons, take them. But so this is quite a, a fun thing. So on 
But on the first the first day, they'd gotten, gotten in their vault and stuff. They had absolutely no idea who this robber was, who the original, they obviously know yeah. the second guy because he's a famous bank robber. But they uh, don't know who this first guy is. And someone actually thought it was this guy called Kaj Hansen. And so they're like, and he's a known criminal and he was on the run from prison. So in the exact same circumstances as uh, Jean, Jean Eric, but this guy, Kaj, and they're like, well, we, we think it's him. So then the police are like, well, what we'll have to do is we'll go get his brother to possibly identify him. So they are fucking wasting. They've given them, they've already given them guns. Uh, this they, they're just going around fucking Sweden. And this is the south of Sweden now. And I don't know any of the geology of Sweden. <laughs> nope. But um Lund is in southern Sweden and it's fucking far away. <laughs> and they, so they transported this guy to Stockholm and uh so they were trying to get him to go into the bank and have a quick little look-see. Make sure it was actually... Uh... But uh, there's also another a caveat to this story. Whereas, realistically, just he probably a, just phoned him. <laughs> it's a six and a half hour drive from Lund to Stockholm. Oh my! <laughs> so uh, it's probably is more likely the fact that um, they just got on the phone and then they started to talk to him and then uh, the brother was like, no, this isn't... <laughs> this isn't my brother. No, he was quickly transported to Stockholm. But yeah, he they got him there. Then he they basically were like, nah, it's not him. Also, this was the first time so they were like, actually, fuck it. Because this is how smooth this guy, Olf, Olf, the, so the, the names are so simple. Their surnames are so... Uh, Clark. Yeah, no, we'll right. call him Clark. We'll call him Clark and Yano. But Clark was so fucking smooth talking that he was like, so on the first day, so he's turned up... Like an outside robber, really, because he didn't try... He didn't plan this robbery, though we'll look into it. He definitely planned this robbery. This was definitely... Yannarek was definitely going, I'm going to do this, and Clark went, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> you I'm son of a sex. bitch, I'm in. <laughs> you get me out of prison. prison and I'll help and you I'll rob you. this bank. And he's like, but you'll be in prison. So don't worry, I'll be able to talk my way out of anything. I'm amazed I'm still in prison. Well, you've escaped four times. Exactly. I talk my way out. I just so, do this for fun. fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see again. That's a good little bit of foreshadowing. For, um, so he uh, took three of the hostages and was like, let's go, everyone. So he uh, wrapped explosive collars around them and they just walked. We're going to walk out to the car. But then they were like, oh, actually, this is probably a terrible idea. So they went back into the vault. <laughs> they were like, yeah, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get shot. So on the second day of the fucking ordeal, uh, the hostage started to. This is when the hostages start because again, there's old it, Clark is talking there, like whispering their ears, like mm, just um, whispering sweet nothing. By the way, uh, uh, they'll try and kill us all if to get to us. They they're that they're thirsty blood. They want us dead. Yeah, they right. don't really care about the civilian casualties. Though, so they'll um if they can see us, they'll shoot and they'll just start opening fire. So uh. They're literally, they're just so fucking terrified now, these such, because they're all in a terrifying situation. They're having to crap in a bucket in the middle of a vault. Yeah. <laughs> like, so the police are surrounding them and they're so, so scared at the police. And they're like, the police just started to basically try and get them to come out. And they were trying to really just piss off the captives now. And I think this is when they lost. I know this, this is early on as well. I think it would take me longer to go over to the side. But I think Swedish police. Not, not going to badmouth them. I think they did such a shit job of this 
because we didn't know what the because they, they literally didn't. This is the case as why you don't do things this way because this happens essentially. But they were like just trying to aggravate them because they wanted to call out the robbers essentially so they could just shoot them. So that's what they wanted. They wanted to bang quick shot in the head. This is all dealt with. We don't have to pay them anyhow. We've already thrown them a 1.5 million kroner somehow. Plus all the money they've got in the bank. Yeah. Unless it's just a fucking empty bank that's full of meatballs. Oh, that, that would suck. Can you imagine robbing a bank, opening the safe? <sighs> Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's why like, we need to get 700,000 worth of dollars in krona. Because there's no money. Because they did the collection yesterday. Yesterday, but they should always have at least 30 grand or something in their account, you would think. But her, so Still, if I'm robbing a bank and I only come away with thirty grand, I'm gonna be like, Ooh. people do it. People do it for less. Like um, someone I like, my dad's one of my dad's friends robbed a bank with a sawn-off shotgun. It wasn't loaded though. That was how he told himself it was fine. <clears throat> he robbed the bank and he got away with I think thirty-eight to forty, thirty-eight to like seventy grand, and he got away with it for like eight, nine years. Oh shit! And then he just told someone where the gun was. Stupidly, <laughs> he immediately ratted him out. <laughs> yeah, the gun. You just destroy the gun. I don't know how they chased it because he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot the gun. Yeah. Doesn't matter. I don't know how they did it because I think they just had the witness and they found the gun and they were like, "Yeah, yeah. I did it." <laughs> but my, yeah, my sister did around his house. Yeah. He didn't tell it. My dad didn't tell her that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and on this day also, the police commissioner was allowed into the vault to have a look at everyone, make sure everything was doing okay. It's just such a weird situation. Like everyone, there's so much traffic going through <laughs> this scene. So he's there and he's like, oh, and he sees, he actually said that the hostages seemed quite jovial and they seemed to be far more hostile towards the police because again, Clark's like, so it'd been, it's always been a while since before. So after the police commission came in, then it was literally a while there. No one saw any of the hostages and stuff and they didn't really know where exactly... So that's with oh shit actually no we've got this wrong they didn't move to the vault until the second day oh shit so they were just walking around so they're pl- less scrap what we were saying before <laughs> the police aren't in there for six days the police are in there for five days oh oh my god five so days, so yeah so sorry what we were saying is so at this stage when they'd gone to the car and stuff they were still inside the actual banks they'd let go a few quite a few of the people so they only had three they had um four hostages and it was two captors this is when they decide to go hide in the bank and then this is when. The police, they basically got into the bank now. So this is when they realised everyone's hiding in the vault. That's why they haven't seen anyone. Which I think is a smart move because they're literally trying to get everyone to walk to the doors and stuff yeah. like that and walk to the door. And they walk, But then all of the hostages were essentially circling, encircling them so they were, wouldn't get shot by police. And this is also on the second day is when the police come up with the idea because now they're in, trapped in the, uh, in, into the vault. They're like, what we need to do is just gas them. Yeah, classic Nazi views. <laughs> They're in a closed space. We'll gas them. And they also install listening devices after they've come up with a great idea. It's like we can just drill a hole and gas them. It's like this is a great idea. So they will just start drilling, and then they put a listening device in the ventilation holes so they can see basically what's going, hear what's going on. And this is when they um start hearing that everyone's laughing because both these two now. One, it's a very famous robber, so even if it's it's kind of like a celebrity, he's in there. Yeah. Because everyone knows who he is, and he's just recounting all of these cool tales of every, all the bank robberies. Which would be Which awesome. would be such a cool conversation to have with a bank robber. <laughs> Not all the dark shit about him killing police and stuff, you don't really want to hear that. But how he's like just robbing these banks, and definitely fucking these chicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He was 
the playerist of, of Roberts <laughs> I've ever witnessed. When they start drilling the holes, this is when they start freaking out a little bit, though. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Drilling holes. Old um Clark, they drill a hole. First thing he does, puts his gun up to it and shoots <laughs> through it. Which is, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are they expecting to happen? You're like, well, this is a perfectly, well, it's a good, it's a good, big enough to put a gun muzzle in. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Just bang, bang, bang. So he shot twice. And actually, um, I think he killed... He injured someone's hand and face. Two two separate officers. And this is also when they fully confirm on the... Cause this is... We're, we're on day three now. We're in Sunday. They're drilling holes. And they've started now passing supplies to the hostages to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah. So they're, he's like, all right, I'll stop shooting you. <laughs> we can stop shooting through we, these holes. We do actually need food if that's... Yeah, yeah. Right. And we need some water. And uh, so they start shooting, and this is when they get a call from Carl Hansen, who they they assumed he was, and they, then the brother identified him, and it wasn't him. And then they were like, yeah, he's saying he was seen in Honolulu. <laughs> Which so he definitely fun. wasn't. There's absolutely no chance he was in Honolulu. But if you're going to lie about being somewhere, you're like, I don't know, Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, I'm in Hawaii. I'm, I'm on the run, and I'm in Hawaii. I think it's probably about this point that one of the... um. Hostages, Kristin Enmark even phoned the uh, Swedish Prime Minister, who was already preoccupied with a looming national election and the deathbed vigil for one of the country's revered 90-year-old King Gustav Adolf VI. But also... And pleaded with him to let the robbers take her with them in the escape car, saying, I fully trust Clark and the robber. Because I don't think at this point yeah, they she, she, she no even knew her. <laughs> She assured the Prime Minister, I am not desperate. They have not done a thing to us. On the contrary, they have been very nice. But you know, Olaf, what I'm scared of is that the police will attack and cause us to die. So they are like 100% getting in their heads going, yeah, the police are just going to break in any second now. This gas is going to be poisonous. They're going to come in. They're going to kill us all. They don't care. But also, this at this stage, after they've uh, drilled... Because they've drilled quite a lot of holes into the vault, at the top of the vault now. Yeah. But they've drilled... like It's a fucking metre thick, though. This is how thick this vault is. It's got to be. Yeah, but, yeah, I know. I understand. But it's still a metre thick. It's so thick. I just wasn't expecting it. They've drilled so many holes, and he's just shooting all through every time. Cause, and then, basically, one of the policemen fully looks in, and um, the unidentified, as he's known, but um, Jean-Eric, he's like, fuck it, I'm going to kill this guy. And then he actually, Clark talks him down from killing him. And he was like, no, no, no. And they just get them to cover up all the holes. Like, you've, uh, gonna, we're, like we're going to keep shooting you from these holes. And so they cover up all the holes in bulletproof glass. So now they've got no way of getting their supplies and shit to them. So this is from this point, essentially, day three. And they're like, they're in there now. And then what they decide to do is they decide to wire up all the, 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 the walls of the vault with explosives. Because they're like, well, if you drop tear gas in here... We're just gonna blow this all up, and you're all. Everyone's gonna die. Yeah. So they probably wouldn't, because I don't know how much explosive they had to go through a meter thick. Fucking probably not wall. enough. Probably not. No, but definitely kill everyone in the vault. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Hitler bunker style. Because <laughs> they also said basically, we're not gonna give you any more food. You've got to surrender if you want us to keep. You've got to give us your guns and explosives. But they're like, nah, <laughs> nah. I'm not. That's just, just not gonna happen. 
And it's also on the... So the Monday the 27th is when he is finally identified <laughs> as uh, Jean-Eric Olsen. <laughs> can't believe I, it takes that, <laughs> that long. It takes so fucking long. Then on the Tuesday, they're like, fuck it, this is it. We're going to we're gonna just tear gas them. And they go to they go to throw in the tear gas and they get bang. They just pop one off straight through the hole. And they're like, look, if you do it, everyone will fucking die. And then unfortunately, so this is like this is the final day of the thing. Everyone's like, we're just gonna we're just gonna throw it in there. We're gonna throw this. Yeah, they've got no choice at this point. They we're, have. We're gonna have to do fuck it. Fuck this whole situation. They must have spent so much fucking money. So yeah, this is it. And they just ba- basically bang, just dropping the tear gas. And funnily enough, they open the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because tear gas fucking sucks. <laughs> It can't be a pleasant to be no, in mean, a room with. No, I mean, we, when we got up, one of my friends, we got bought a Megs when she moved away. We were like, well, we'll try it then. We'll, we'll spray it. We're, we're 18. We should spray each other in the face with mace. Yeah. And that was like, I did it. And I was like, oh, this is such a regrettable decision. <laughs> this is, it was such a low payoff because it was only, well, the, the best it could have happened would be funny. And then the worst would happen was like this. This was what was obviously going to happen. But that's what you get if you're in like special forces training. They mace you and stuff. Yeah, so you make sure you can take it. Which is how quickly did the regret set in? So it probably happened for that length of time. So what's that? Three seconds. Yeah. Two seconds. I'm gonna say when the first thing went down and it hit my eyes because it's from I don't know what. Two, three feet what, away? Like, arm, like, arms an arm length? Yeah, an arm length away. <laughs> then just straight... Because <laughs> I didn't spray myself. Yeah. We, we did it to each other. <laughs> and then it just happened. I was like... It hit me in the eyes. And I was like... This is it. And it was such an immense, immediate, regretful decision. But I was kind of stunned into... like I couldn't like duck away or move. Because they're like... Oh, it took my breath away of how <laughs> stupid an idea it was. Because we tased ourselves and stuff before that, and that was kind of fun. Tasers really hurt, though. They're, like, really, really sore. And, like, you just fought... The thing is, you fall to the ground with a taser, and you lock up, and you go, Aah! and you just go down. <laughs> I just stood there in it, and it was just there, I was just there crying. And there was no... We had we did it in the middle of the fucking woods, because we were like, we best walk somewhere far. But we brought no water. So we're there, like, ah, just screaming. And there was three of us who'd done it. <laughs> and I think I was the final one to do it. <laughs> like I'd seen what would happen. <laughs> oh, it was just the worst. But anyway, they they surrender and the but when they they were like right we're coming out, but the hostages were so scared at this point that they were that as soon as the doors opened they were just gonna fucking just have a fire sale and shoot yeah. everyone. They actually the, so they formed a circle around the captors as they walked out of the vault. Uh, Making sure so they literally could survive. And this was, it was the, Kristen Enmark was the first person, she was the first person out of the vault. So she was like really leading it. So, and it was ridiculous enough, they uh, they hugged, kissed and like shook hands with, uh, a little bit with Jean Eric, but it was mainly Clark. He, oh, was, he, he, was the, he was the point man on this. And then uh, police came in, seized the gunmen, the two females hostage cries, and then, as they shouted, don't, don't hurt them, don't hurt, they did, they didn't harm us. While, uh, she, then they had to actually wheel uh, Enmark away in a stretcher, which I don't think you wheel her. Do you wheel? Yeah, you pick it up. Yeah, yeah, well, it's about, yeah, the type of stretcher it is, isn't it? And then she shouted uh, to Olsen, Clark, I will see you again, <laughs> which they did. 
because one hundred percent they were fucking <laughs> not in the vault at the time. Well, maybe. I mean, they had I mean, the listening devices, but would they release that? So this was the best thing about this, because in Sweden, as well as lots of um, actually other those sort of countries, same in Germany, it's not a crime to escape prison. Because it's deemed as a natural human response. Oh. If that you're captured, you will try and escape. And they view it as that. Because in America, it's like you get 10 years or you get 15 years out of it. I think the same in the UK. I think it's like yeah. seven years for um, prison escape. Or... But yeah, they don't view them as crimes because they're like, well, you're gonna. <laughs> That's what you're guns to. You're guns to escape. <laughs> you're gonna try, try. and escape. Because it's just a natural human, uh, natural human impulse. Yeah, during the investigation afterwards, the police even looked into whether Kristen and Mark was involved in planning the robbery because of how of her like, attitude towards Clark. Oh yeah, because she was a uh, real into it, <laughs> like really into it. And even during the investigations, none of the hostages would testify against Jan Eric and Clark, and even raised money for their def- <laughs> defense. That's. My favourite thing about that. <laughs> like, what was he saying? <laughs> what kind of sweet nothing is he whispering? If only I had his tongue. <sighs> Jesus. I mean, get away with anything. Away with why is he in prison? <laughs> why, was, why is he not his own defence lawyer? I think, I swear, one of them defended themselves. Or he's probably smart enough to realise, no, um, I'm not going to defend myself. <laughs> They, uh, they, both of them returned to the same prison where they were stationed and the hostage actually came and visited them while they were there. And they weren't there for really that long. <laughs> Not really, for what they did. No, and um, Olsen, who was granted clemency after how many years? How many years? How many years was he granted clemency? I don't know. After eight years! Oh! <laughs> so he served eight years and they were basically like, yeah, you can go. And his family just moved to Thailand. <laughs> Olsen said in an interview, it was the host... Hang on, sorry. Sorry. My bad. So Olsen said in an interview, it was the hostages' fault. <laughs> they did everything I told them. If they hadn't, they might not be here now. Why didn't they attack me? Why? They made it hard for us to kill. They made us go on living together day after day like goats. Never heard that expression before. <laughs> nope. Thief. There was nothing to do but to get to know each other. <laughs> Which I'm sure is that's exactly how he sounded. But <laughs> I was so, trying to blame. It's like, oh my god, it's so their fault that I had to. They got. They liked me in the end. The prime minister of Sweden actually gave a speech after this was resolved, and 73 percent of all of Sweden listened to it. Which is. Fucking huge numbers. They were both both were released because it's Sweden. After yep. if that's happened in America, they probably would never be released. But they were actually both released, especially it was they were so lenient during the trial because people weren't pressing charges. The hostages, essentially. So uh, he actually old Clark actually described the event as something that just happened. You know, it was fun. <laughs> was I think my favorite quote. And him, he, as we said earlier. He and um, Kirsten, after he was released, they say they just became friends, but they were fucking. (laughs) They were straight up fucking. Because he was 
the smoothest man, and he is um like he actually gave a interview with uh cri- the podcast Criminal. If you know, it's an incredible proper like research, like a like a tour de force researched true crime podcast. Are you suggesting that we're not? What I'm suggesting is this is Criminal. I <laughs> know, <laughs> Phoebe John. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's an absolutely incredible process. And she actually, uh, she talked to everyone involved in this, this case, which is fucking crazy. And yeah, that was what he had to say for it. It was like, meh, it was fun. <laughs> which, how badass. <laughs> I enjoyed myself, you know. It was fun. <laughs> like, As bank robberies go, it's up there with mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I robbed loads of banks. <laughs> I mean, loads. But he, yeah, he wrote a book about the whole ordeal in 2009, which is just called Stockholm Syndrome, uh, which... I would love to read, but it's in Swedish. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if it was a self-published book. It probably wasn't, because, he's, again, he's still quite famous, and he's still alive, living in Sweden now. Oh. So that was that was the start of, basically, why it's called this, These Captors. And I feel like, truly, this case is a lot different to all other cases where we talk about Stockholm Syndrome being placed. Yeah, this is very unique. It's because a... I feel like lots of people start using... Because the thing is, they weren't mean to them. They were... Again, they took them hostage and they put explosives around their necks. This is all real traumatising yeah, stuff. Think one one guy was shot as well, but it, they, they... They patched him up and they... They, they patched him up. Send him and... off his way. I thought the guy who was shot, didn't they release him? Uh, like, they, they, they were threatening to shoot the hostages. Mm. And one of the hostages, like... I think Kirsten even convinced... Uh, a hostage called Sven to take the bullet just do it. A, do it do go it go on do it do it and it was just kind of like a, a thing it I think, wasn't, yeah. so it I wasn't I'm going to show you graze. Like, I'm sure uh, it was a graze shot uh, shot in the leg yeah so Ooh, it just... it's never good shooting the leg so, arteries they've got you've got, big, yeah. you've got big big arteries and people people die all the time for getting like shot in the legs because it's people again they think it's going to be fine feet hands are good mm. the centre of hands Straight through. Shoulder, that's a good place. Jump, that John Wick three star, like when he shoots the doctor. He's yeah. like here and here, and he points him at like he literally. Bit, that's Mister Miyagi from the Karate Kid, which is fun. Really? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. I gotta rewatch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, is that Mister Miyagi? Or I'm racist either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, <coughs> so yeah, there's the fucking. It's crazy. So the cases now that we'll talk about, which get the moniker of Stockholm Syndrome, I feel it's a lot less that. It's more. Like how cults condition you. Yeah. It's the brainwashing of lack of... Well, again, they were in lack of sleep and they probably had... You know what, actually? They probably had all the things because they probably weren't sleeping real because they're in a vault. They probably weren't eating very well because they would. there's only so many meatballs you can get through that chute. <laughs> <laughs> and the sauce was stuck to the side so they didn't even get the benefit of that. And I don't know what they else... Oh, that's what... Dimebarket. There was no... And... S- the Swedish fish melted onto the side of the yeah. thing. Do you, have you tried those sweet, sweet Swedish fish? No. Oh, they melt so quickly. They've got yeah. such a... Must have such a low melting point. Like, you can, you put them in your pocket in a normal day. Not even, like, a hot day. But that 36 degrees gets them, like... Uh, you just have one big ball. You're like, oh, this is disappointing. Uh, I, I can't do those hot dogs, though. They, they'd fit down the holes pretty nice. They'd slide down. Do they, I've never seen an Ikea hot dog. Oh, they do do those great big long foot-long yeah. hot dogs. They're well cheap. They're so cheap. You're like, how are they doing that for such a cheap thing? Because not real meat. Not no meat. Which, didn't they have that big issue? There was a load of feces. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, when everyone was like, oh, no, there's horse and everything. And they're like, there's horse and everything? And there's like, I care, there's feces in your meatballs. And they're like, yeah, what's a bit of fecal matter between friends? <laughs> like, what do you expect us to do? When we grind down a whole pig, scoop out the shit? 
beforehand. That's no. a mental case. But you want to give us? You want us to give pigs colonics? Perverts. You perverts. You the perverts. <laughs> so I feel like that's quite a, a fun. I, it's, it's horrible, and it's a six-day thing hostage siege. But as I, hostage taking goes, it's pretty apart fun. from that one guy who got shot. And, and they the all got of the tear gas. Police officers that got shot. Yeah, there was quite a few police officers who get shot. They and, were like, and the tear gas and the tear gas is bad. Yeah, but it, it's not. It could have been worse. But they both look like the photos of them being taken away. They look in immaculate condition. Yeah, for a six-stage hostage siege. <laughs> this isn't Nakatomi Tower. No, like, like the, everyone looked fucking. That was one night. Yeah, <laughs> one night, and everyone looked so dishevelled. And these guys, six like, days. I'm amazed nothing. this wasn't. This would have been way better if Die Hard was this. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been way better. It would have been. And I fucking love Die Hard. So, uh, on, we'll go take this nice, fun, high note of what Stockholm Syndrome can be. And we're going to take it to a real depressing place now. Yeah. So, if we, you've, everyone's been jovial. Everyone's had a laugh at this nice, nice Stockholm syndrome time. Yeah, you're all relaxed. Yeah, you're like da na na na. This is the first. Now I remember. Now it's the last. Everyone's having a great time. Yeah, we're all being angsty teens. Um, so now we're gonna start, and uh, we're gonna go talk about a case that Jack has done all the thing off, and I'm gonna take what I like to refer to as serious umbrage. <laughs> yeah, like the. It's borderline, this one. I think a lot of them are, though. After, I think all after... of them. All of them are. This is the only case of Stockholm Syndrome. I honestly it's think the actual there case. Might be, there might be some others, actually, that in this kind of hostage... I feel like this is the only situation where you can have it work properly without it being cult-like mind... Um, what's it? Mind control, essentially. Yeah. Where it's... You don't make sure they can't sleep properly. You control. You give. You tell them every single thing to do. You feed them lots of sugar. You give them no protein. You work them exhausted, and they just keep that cycle going. Then you start breaking down. You tell them that they're never going to get out of the situation. Like they have to start dealing with the situation. And then as soon as you do all that to them, you tell them if you start thinking this way, I'll stop being so mean. And immediately everyone's like, Yeah. Well, I can't ever get out of this situation because you've, you've been convinced of it. So he's like, May as well. Get on with it and not get beaten continuously. Because that's better. Yeah, it's just better. So that's why they're saying it's, it really is where it goes from. Everyone else seems to use it as this coping mechanism, which I'm sure it was for the people in the Stockholm, in the, I don't even know, can remember what the bank's called? Uh, the bank is... Well, it was in the town of Normanst, or not the town, it was because it's in Stockholm, in the square of Normanst. Severges Credit Banken. Yeah. So that that one that was, I can't. I've literally forgot what I was saying. I've lost my train of thought. But I was gonna say, that that seems to be the last time. Stockholm syndrome and everything else does seem to be this, just mind wash, brainwashing. Yeah. So that being said, mm. let us talk about the disappearance and abduction of Natasha Kapanchk. Kampush. Kampush. And this, there is two great on Netflix. There is a, a very very good documentary where natasha herself is actually in the documentary yeah she speaks quite a bit and it. she speaks and so it's completely told from her point of view so i feel like it's the good thing of like where lots of these documentaries which i feel like definitely the don't fuck with cats had the issue of it where they it was all about how essentially how cool luca was 
And then, I think, yeah, they... don't put with cats. It was very much, oh, he's very cool. And it was very much, look at the cool work we did on yeah, social and media, then they hunting him down. Did not talk about the victim. Like, they mention him for maybe three minutes. Yeah. And then they, 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 even at the end, they're like, well, <clears throat> we feel bad for not mentioning it. So we'll get his, like, best friend to say how fucked up it is that they didn't talk about him, which is so weird. But in this one, it doesn't feel exploitative at all. It feels like there's someone actually trying to tell her story. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I watched it a few couple of years ago, but it was that, I think it was a great thing, and everyone should definitely check it out. And it's just told uh, Natasha Campbell. So, take it away. Yeah. So, it is the 2nd of March, 1998, in Austria. Uh, Natasha had had an argument with the mum that morning and was walking to school alone. She was approximately halfway to school when yeah, she spots this white man uh, outside a white van who approaches her and throw, picks her up and throws her in the back of the van. This, this is a 10-year-old girl on her way to school. Easy, bang, straight in that van. So like, like, like nothing. No way, just throw straight it. Straight in. Uh, this takes place at approximately 20 past 7, according early. to a witness who... That's, a, that's early. Who'd, see, ...who'd seen it take place. I don't know what's like. They start school earlier in Austria, though. Yeah, imagine it's like 8 o'clock start yeah. or something. Jeez. The gentleman in question is Wolfgang This Pr- piece of shit. So. This guy, I hate this guy. Yeah. I know I know you hate all the... Anyone who abducts a child, I hate. But this guy, there's something about him that he doesn't seem... He knows exactly what he's doing wrong, but he, like, the way he talks and stuff... Because she's got... She remembers... Everything. Yeah. But he seems to talk to her in such a way like eventually she'll realise what he's doing is a favour to her somehow. Because he keeps, as soon as he gets there, he's like, everyone, everyone's leaving you and all your family hate you. Your family, not only that, they've asked me to do this. Which, I don't know, have you written that down? No, I haven't written that down. Yeah. This is what he tells her. He's like, your family hate you. They do not want you. They've actually asked me to kill you, but instead of killing you, I'm just going to take you and hide there. And he has gone to fucking next level creepy steps because I hate, I hate the next level creepy steps. There's nothing I hate more than a cell or yeah. a basement. Secret rooms are the worst. Are the worst. And I would, the thing is, I would, if I had loads and loads and loads and loads of money, hell shit yeah, I'm building a secret room. Oh yeah. I've already said, down, it's a basement room, secret room, inner side. Always, what I'd always want is, we'd want to have a basement recording studio. So then it's like, you, to whoever, your, your control room and your, your live room session, probably a little vocal booth in the corner. And then maybe through the vocal booth, secret room, oh, open it there, grow room, secret grow room. And then, all the heat and stuff, and the electrics will be like, why have you got all that? You're using so much electronics. But don't worry, I've already got all my solar panels, so we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I, was, I saw you wearing it. I've got a wind yeah. farm close by. I'm really rich in this situation. <laughs> yeah. I have my own wind farm and You're living solar on a farm. panel farm. Like, don't worry, I've got monies. Then secret grow room. All full in ventilation. That's, that's the only it's the only secret room. Any other secret room is bad. Secret sex room is bad. If you have a sex room, I want that to be... On your, like, inventory list of rooms in your yeah. apartment. When you declare, have you got... Is this a three-bedroom house? Like, I'm sorry, actually. This is a two-bedroom house. But I do have a lounge, a front room, and a sex room. 
I want that written down on a census. Because if you don't, it's a bit it's creepy. Creepy. It's immediately creepy. If you're an open, and I, if you're an open leader, and you, you people, you're completely openly with your sexual identity, that's completely fine. If you're like, yeah, I'm a sex positive person, I'll, I'm all for it. People shouldn't be ashamed of their things. There's, unless they're fucking kids, then go get help. But if not, and it's all consensual, yeah, this is great. But don't, not secret room. <laughs> a lockable door. Yes. Because you can't just Always. have anyone. Yeah, you can't. You can't have anyone, anyone running into your sex room. That's your sex room. But and what never if there's kids behind around. a bookcase. But also secret rooms behind bookcase. That's all I want in life. But I also want everyone I know to know it's there. Oh yeah, I would be showing that off and go, "Hey guys, pull that book. Pull that book. Um, uh, what book? It's actually um, yeah, no, read through um, yeah, it's the the book that's called the secret of the biggest dick. Yeah, of course it's that book." <laughs> Is this leather bound? It's actually bound in his foreskin. <laughs> a foreskin bound book about the man with the largest dick in the world. That, if you ever see that in my house, just lift it. <laughs> something that looks like a leather bound book. Probably check it out. It's probably something creepy. But uh, So he's done the fucking worst thing of ever of building his secret room. And it's so secret. Oh, it's incredible. It's like, it secret. makes... Uh, what's his face's dungeon? Um... We were talking about him earlier. Oh, Fritzel. Fritzel. It makes Fritzel's secret apartment look like the fucking guest room. Oh, yeah. Which it was. And everyone knew about it. It's my big thing. Everyone everyone fucking knew about Fritzel's creepiness. So, yeah, he makes his underground and it's under like a cupboard. You have yeah, to you move have to... a cupboard. And there's a, then there's a drop down. Then there's a tunnel. And then there's a steel door. And I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so far down, and it's just so gone to so many lengths to like cover this yeah. up. And it's just you have to crawl you have into to crawl it. Crawl through it because it's a fucking secret bunker room, and I hate it so much. And what's worse is she's so upset and terrified because she's a ten-year-old girl in there, and yeah. it puts like an is there an intercom system immediately or not? Does he install immediately, one later? Yeah, he installs one. He installs but one. She's so scared that he basically she starts calling him. Because she wants him to read, because it comes nighttime, and she, she just wants a story read to her. Because she wants sort of some semblance yeah. of normality. Because she's a just, just poor child has just been horrendously taken from everything and just shoved. I mean, when <coughs> when she's arrived, <coughs> she's basically wrapped in a blue bank blanket, carried into the house, dragged downstairs, and then dragged and thrown into the cell area. And that's all she's got. She's like had her shoes taken off her. Nothing. Yeah, so she even says in the documentary, she tries counting the seconds as the, as the pass when she first gets there. And But as you do, you just eventually lose track. And she's at that point, loses all track of time and reality and where she is. Apparently, she had a mattress down there and that blue blanket to sleep on. That's it. Yeah. And, and the most sound insulation you've oh, ever seen. Oh, yeah. Which in the the sound insulation, he's he works in like construction or at least fitting houses and I thought he was an electrician, wasn't he? Well like doing up houses, I think, yeah. in some way, shape or form. Oh, so he's the he's Austria's version to um flip this house. He like goes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um so he asks his boss And maybe um, what we could do here is, is um maybe we make we we take down this partition wall and uh, we make it more open concept. So you can have have a nice and dining behind... guest area, and there is your basement where you can <laughs> rape the children. <laughs> um, he even asked his boss prior oh, to this whole event, like, never. Oh, what's the best noise? the best noise insulation to hide the noise of a hammer drill. 
if anyone other than someone building a home studio or rehearsal space and doesn't... If someone doesn't have the decency to lie to you and say they're making a rehearsal space because they're learning the banjo or the violin or any... <laughs> or the bagpipe. Any loud, horrible instrument. Just come up. It's like... It's like when... With the, the people at the bank when she's like... Clue says, and she's like... And they're like, when, where's, how did you get this money? If you can't even make up an excuse of why you randomly have eight grand, get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Take five minutes and think of something. But then, what if I don't need to use the hammer drill? Drill hammer. Hammer drill. And he's like, um, this? Which... Like rock wallow concrete? Yeah, all right. Yep. Which is exactly what they found was had been used in the cell, and you can tell in the documentary the guy, this, they are speaking to him like he yeah, was, and he, he regrets. He so badly regrets the, the look on his face. He's look. like, and he but, but you know, he also there's part of him, and he's like, but it was the best choice for his nation because <laughs> he gave him the right advice because nobody heard her. And eventually, there was an intercom system put in so they could communicate mm. with her. And a timer just to, like, turn the lights on and off. Oh, automatically, okay. Like, automatically, yeah. yeah. So everything was set for her. I think after a while, she was a student allowed... She was allowed, like, books and things, wasn't she, I think? And a, a V... They got, he got her a VHS player. Yeah, I think he supplied her with books so she could... I think she, that was her request so that she could teach herself. Well, yeah, because, again, she was a very student and, and she very... was a very smart young girl who was just trying to make the best of... The worst situation ever. And there's actually... I think she's down there. It's quite a while she's down there before she's allowed even to come upstairs. Yeah, I think it's like five, six years she's yeah, down there. She is sorely down there. She is just in this hole. And it is... They take it, you in there in the documentary and it's it's not big. It's not big. It's about like, five metres squared. I didn't even think it was that big. Is that with the climb up bit? Uh, look, ground space yeah. like five meters. Oh, for yeah, cause, which is probably about this room. Yeah. Um, imagine, and this this, this room is quite nice. But imagine living in this room for five, five years, years without. Then all there is is a fucking mat on the floor. Yeah. And so all you have is books. Well, we've got books. Well, again, after five years, I think we've probably finally read these books. <laughs> if I had nothing else but to stay captured in here, but it's. It's wet, it's damp, it's, it's cold. It's horrendous. It's just absolute the epitome. It was prison. Yeah. It's... She's in small child prison, but she hasn't done nothing wrong. But she, not only that, she's in this thing. She's convinced that her parents have essentially sent her there. Because then she says she's got absolutely no chance because no one's looking for her, she doesn't think. Because she's not allowed to listen to it. She doesn't hear any news. She sees none of this thing. Because everything, any media that gets to her, it's VHSs, it's books, it's things that are closed off and that you can't essentially, they're not keeping with time of what's happening. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone's going fucking crazy looking yeah, for every, it's Within the first few months, they I think they identified, because they were witness said there was this white van, but I tell you what, they were fucking close to where they were. Oh, yeah, I think. It was a fucking outrage they didn't find him. Yeah. Just looking in the area for the white vans, they should have found this person. But there were a... Well, I think it was 1,500 owners of white vans were questioned and 600 more extra people. Extra people. Extra non-white van people. But somehow this guy slipped through and he he was he was a bit fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. He was a... 
Yeah. So she was actually eventually uh, allowed out of the cell when he realised she was too scared to run away or attack him because she was fucking terrified. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think she's probably quite weak at this point as well. But the only way she was allowed upstairs was when he'd closed the blinds, locked all the doors. Basically, the room was... The whole upstairs was still pitch black and not in a great... Oh, no, it was fucking horrendous. Still not great conditions. And that she... Her head was shaved so that none of her hair could fall out. Well, sorry. First, she was made to wear a bag over over her head so that any loose hair that might fall out would fall in the bag and not on the floor leaving evidence behind and she I think there was a discussion about it and where she said well what if I shave my head mm. then I can't yeah so she shaved her head so that she didn't have to wear the bag on her head anymore yeah, anything she touched he was on it yeah. he knew exactly what he was doing he collected he clipped all of her nails like if he if she touched him he would literally wash down all her hands clip any all of service her nails. that she touched yeah, clips, take it all up and then like essentially take it away and burn it like he nothing, nothing was around. But then she was, he was even scared that um, whenever she cried, he'd have he'd have to hold her head over the sink because he was scared of the um, hydrochloric acid in the tears that would then leaving residue leave, on the concrete floor, because either concrete floor is, or towels or anything. This is how fucking on it this guy was because back then that's ludicrous to think that would be happening. But now with touch DNA and stuff like that, people can fucking get all that from it. Yeah. So he was so. He knew exactly what he was doing to the point of that he was so far advanced than possibly anyone could have thought of really at the time. Because what's this, 2006? Yeah, well, uh, 1998. 1998 when it happened. So he's so, so fucking... Like early DNA's a thing. He knows about DNA. He understands DNA. But touch DNA was not about... People weren't doing this sort of shit where a fingerprint's going to leave your DNA yeah. on it. But this stuff is crazy. But this was also around this time that she was... Um, allowed to come up was when private detectives start essentially claiming the parents did it. Yeah. Because the police start also thinking maybe the parents, the parents did, it, did it. Which must be the worst, my friend. Yeah. When that, cause then, because what she said is, well, I had a fight with her, then she walked out, then she's gone forever. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, of sure. course. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah, so a private detective came up with a theory that the mother was in a relationship with a businessman, I'm assuming, not just yeah. a business. <laughs> and that basically Natasha was in the way, so they killed her to get rid of her so they could, she had more time to, to free up to be with this man. And they actually buried her body in an allotment. So he eventually managed to pressure the police so much that they dug up, they dug up the allotment and obviously found nothing. literally nothing. Yeah, and obviously at this time they were, she was still learning and still using the books to teach, but he'd started teaching her maths. Because I think that was his, like, strong point, is that he could he was actually pretty good at teaching her maths mm. and stuff. Yeah, because I but, think he's actually... He was not an obviously nice person, but I think he was quite a fairly... Well, he's clearly a fairly smart man in the way he's done about mm. everything. And he was, so, he was such a methodical person. And everything had to be done in this step-by-step. Step, and it was so... Everything was so, so regimented. Like, this is why I think... This is why people say it obviously gives him to why she was suffering from Stockholm but this is why it's far more like a cult experience every single second of her day was she could not decide anything she had no formal thought been given to her from the age of 10 and he just took it all away from her but it's the so point that he would like he would cross things out and like mark her like a teacher yeah. whilst doing the math and after like um a few years so this is now 
So after a few, it's taken like a few years to get out of the, so I think three or four years to get out of this thing. And then it was actually fairly quick, really, once he'd start and allow her, her out. Yeah. Because it's, I think it's the same way with any of these psychopaths. It's the little allowances that you give yourself. It's like, so you go out, you kidnap a girl. Yeah, you, you talk to her for five minutes. Because really, when you're not there, this hasn't happened, I don't think. When he's outside of the flat, I know it's secretly deep down. Yeah, there's the fancy. He's got this person coming in. But I think it allows you to sell the lie that you haven't got anyone locked up in your basement. Yeah. What well, are you talking about? That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. But as soon as you let her out and then you've shaved her head, you're like, well, so now she's walking around without the bag. So this, you let go of the bag thing. And then suddenly, maybe don't wipe down every side. She's probably not touching her. She's probably not really sweating through the floor. She yeah. could probably cry wherever she needs to cry now. And it's those slow things that almost Just he's break al- it, he, break he's down allows himself to do it in the same way. Whereas serial killers start getting really sloppy with killing and he's kind of gets really sloppy with keeping her because he's convinced by his own bullshit that this stuff's working. Yeah. He had a plan. He's going to do this and it's going to get this result. And it's what's happening. He's followed his plan and his plan is being executed perfectly. It's the worst plan, but it's working because it's, I can't get girls to like me. How can I ever get a girl to like me? Well, I'll grow a girl. What I like to call Woody Allen in. <laughs> you grow your wife. You you raise your wife. And then suddenly you've got this girl. And suddenly it, we lie about where it's happened. And she now loves you. So you have this person who will love you forever. Because you managed to create it. Because that's literally what he was trying to do. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he eventually, after a few years, I think it was about five years or so, he started letting her out into the garden. Bear in mind, she still shaved head and stuff like that. Yeah. And I don't. I, it's at that point where... Probably people are still looking for her, but not they're to not, the mass scale. They're not looking for this person, really. Because yeah. I think with those kind of abduction cases, it's so hard to look for the person who they are now rather than the person you're looking for. Yeah. Whereas you're like the whole Madeline McCann thing. Well, she's dead, but... And her parents did Yeah, parents did Parents did it. <laughs> when the police pointed the parents there, that was an oh shit moment. Yeah. They're on to us. Yeah. Not a oh shit, this is terrifying Something. because we didn't do it. Do it. Yeah. Oh, did you watch that fucking stupid Netflix documentary about it? No, I haven't. Oh, it was well annoying. <laughs> so, <laughs> they he starts letting her out. And then, soon after this, is when, um, it starts getting real bad. Yeah. Cause... I mean, she's basically like his well, she's personal cleaner and She's cleaning, cook she's and making everything. food. She's... But, but he would starve her and make her cook for him. Cook for him, and she'd get cooked. nothing. Mm-hmm. And she'd get, like, tiny morsels, like, yeah. little bits that he wouldn't eat and stuff like that, the leftovers. And, like, and she even says in the documentary, like, he's got this brand new car, mm. and she's basically just not getting fed. Mm. Oh, yeah, she has absolutely nothing. It was... But by this stage, it was... She starts as soon... Because he starts now... This is when I think it's he waits till she's fifteen, so it's before he starts abusing her yeah. sexually. Not he's he's beating her. He's... But I don't. I... But she's sexually abused. Uh huh. Can't you remember that scene where he's she like takes him upstairs and then she undoes the thing and he lets her sleep in the bed with him and then she like undoes the other hand because she's like handcuffed in the bed. Essentially tied up in the bed and then she like unties the thing while he's in the bed with her and she lets him sleep. She lets her sleep in the bed with him, like in his actual bed. Oh yeah, sorry. It was, there's no, sorry. She does say it later in her, the, her documentary, she was abused, but it was never 
child pornography rings or sadomasochistic rings that were there. No, yeah, there's basically because there was a lot of claims of that. Yeah, yeah, no. He wait the creepiest fucking thing is he's obviously attracted to young girls, but he waited to the point where it was fucking gross, but not like the most disgusting thing ever. So that was the weird thing. I see that weird line because he's drawing his own morality lines, Hmm. which I could have. Could have been raped from her immediately. He could have been raped from her from yeah. the second he got but her. Went, no. But he chose not to. So he, again, that's a... Because he's taken this little point for me, point thing of it, that he just takes this point where he's like, yes, I've, I'm allowing her to... Not only I didn't kill her, could have just killed her, could have been raping her the whole time. So now I'm not feeding her, sure. And I'm slapping her around and she's she's malnourished in this little hole. But again, she's not dying and being raped. So it's this weird, this terrifying, terrifying thing. And... um. This is when it gets... So she starts basically immediately forgiven as soon as he abuses her now. And she kind of yeah. just abandons it. She's... It's like a abandoning hope just to survive. Yeah, it's a full... This is when the thing of Stockholm Syndrome being a person, Like, yeah, sure. She's like, sure, this is great, whatever. And I'm sure she's saying thank you for the tiny things or for nothing, for not getting anything. I'm sure she's yeah. doing all these things just to literally try and avoid... Massages ego a bit. Anything. And now after seven years, she starts getting taken out on jobs. And then to go to work with him. Yeah. And this is when, this is the most fucked up. He actually takes her on holiday. Yeah. And they go skiing together. And this is the thing where I go, is it Stockholm Syndrome? Because the moment he's skiing and he's hand on her shoulder kind of the whole way. And they're skiing around and she's on the slopes. And before they get through, while they're still on the slope, she's like, I really need to go to the bathroom. And she skis off into the toilet and he like holds her shit, waits outside the toilet door of the bathroom and she walks walks in. She goes into stall and as she's there, another woman walks in and she's then at that stage, she's going to, she's literally thinks she's going to tell her that who she is. And then um, she tries to do it. And then I think he knocks on the door or something. And then she do, I can't fully remember that part, but she's like goes to tell this other woman and just can't get the, because the woman's like looking at her like, are you okay? Yeah, she's she's with this weird old because she's like, well, she'll be. So what, she's seventeen at this stage. Uh, yeah, yeah she's about so, seventeen. Yeah, seventeen at this because she was how long was she held? She was took on eight years. Eight years, yeah. So she's yeah, she's seventeen. So he she's literally on hold and she's trying to because she understands like then so all she really needs to say is, I'm fucking Natasha Cranbush because she doesn't realize everyone's still like. Kind of like, where the fuck could this girl be? But everyone's decided to give up hope. Really, yeah. I think, about this stage. It's the whole Madeleine McCann thing. If a girl came up to you and went, I'm Madeleine McCann, you'd be like, holy shit. Even though no one's really looking for her now, mm. you'd still be like, oh, fuck. Mm. Right, ring police. Ring police. But this is, again, this is how close, but how fucking terrified, because she's so scared of him. I don't think she's sympathising. I think she's just fucking she's terrified. Yeah. And I think she's just no power. And they were actually stopped one day by police on the way because they were coming back from... Because he was allowing her to come out with do jobs and go works and stuff because she thought there's absolutely no way that she was going to be able to do, yeah. do anything. Cause she was fucking exhausted the whole exhausted, time still. terrified. She, she's still not eating and she's still... The whole time, she's never, ever treated well at all in the whole time. So it's never like a thing where they're like, oh, is a give and take where I think with other cases where they, that kind of happens where they relax to her and stuff like that. It's always fucking on it and to the point where one day he was out they were outside together and he was cleaning they were cleaning his car 
and in the middle of the van, and it was on August the 23rd, 2006, they, she was vacuuming this car, and he got a phone call where he literally, for a moment, walked in front of the car, she was saying. He kind of stood there on the phone, and then, literally, she walked, noticed the gate was, like, not locked, mm. like it always was, because everything was always locked. Even when she was outside in the garden, everything was locked. But he'd gotten so relaxed, like, she's never going to run away. She, they had the thing with the police... And he, she still didn't say anything. So it was at this stage where she finally gets it. She just fucking lets that Hoover keep running. And she Smart runs. move. Like, yeah, genius move, genius move. And she just runs. And she keeps running. And she just keeps running. And then she's literally starts going on and trying to like, literally, she's so scared that if she starts shouting, that he's going he's gonna to be behind her. Because in her mind, he is chasing her. Which I literally, as soon as she was gone, I don't think he even tried to ever follow her. I think as soon as he realised she was out that door, it was it was go time. Yeah, it so was damage control. She time, literally finally she starts knocking on people's doors and people aren't letting her in because she's this crazy screaming and she's screaming and she's screaming and she, this woman opens her door and she's like, I'm Natasha Crambush. Like, you need to fucking phone someone. And she's like, What? And the woman's like, No, you don't be ridiculous. She thinks she's a crazy person. So literally she won't let her in because she's like banging on doors and stuff like that. <coughs> and I think she goes to another person's house after that because she's like, this crazy bitch. And then eventually she gets him to come in, explains everything what's happened to her. She's like, I'm fucking Natasha. This guy has taken me for eight years. You need to do something about it. And they're like, um, okay, whatever. They'll slowly get around to it. They go to his house. It's all locked up. He's not there. Fucking everyone's going mad looking for him. The police, she goes back to her mum. She has to go through all this fucking counselling and stuff and sp start speaking to everyone. The police just raid the house eventually. Because, again, it took a bit too long to get the house raided. Tiny bit. Anytime. That, the thing is, they never quite believe that. Like they, Every time there's a woman seems to go, like, this crazy thing happened to them, they're like, okay. Mm, sure. Okay. <laughs> what happened? And I'm sure people are making up stories. But fuck me. Someone's told you this. And, like... And I get people lie about being missing children. People do that. It's a fucked up, twisted thing. Like something so messed up must have happened to you that if you're at the point where you're lying about being a missing child. Yeah. But people do it. So I kind of get why people are they're like there, but also snap to action people. Come on. So they actually went there. He was gone. Because again, as I said, I think as soon as she was out of that door, he was like, well, this is over now. Yeah. My plan, I thought it worked really well. He then, oh, he probably walked upstairs, took out his red pen on his, I'm assuming a portfolio of the exact plan that he had, and then just in the corner wrote, because it had a 10 out of 10 originally, and he crossed it out, <laughs> and then he wrote, 8.5, needs improvement. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went and cowarded the fuck out by lying down on a train track, and his body was discovered, I think, three days later. Yeah. And and this is kind of where there is a slight potential for it to be Stockholm Syndrome. Because in a documentary, she does sympathise with the captain. She does say she did. Um, and she said, I, I feel more and more sorry for him. He's a poor soul. And according to police, she cried inconsolably when she was told that he was dead and lit a candle for him at the morgue. However, she does still refer to him as a criminal. and Well, of course, he was her entire life yeah. for eight years. No matter, the thing is... And that's a key eight years, though, between that 10 and 18. That is a very important eight years. And he was everything for her. There was absolutely nothing else that she had other than this. And that's, I think, the, the fucking saddest thing about these things where he... Because she's 
a very strong she's like an advocate now she's a victim's right advocate and she's again she's probably written an incredible book that i haven't read but i'm certain she has because she's honestly go watch the documentary it's inspiring what you can sort of overcome like like i i often feel like i can't even get up in the morning <laughs> and all i've got to do is go make sandwiches <laughs> like so like this this the shit that she gone through and is such a strong person about, I think it's truly inspirational. But again, I understand why they put it on Stockholm Syndrome. But me personally, I do not think she it was a case of Stockholm Syndrome because she booked it the fuck out of there as yeah. soon as she could. And it wasn't the first time. She tried to a couple of other times, but couldn't. She understood. And she kept her wherewithal the whole way. Yeah, well, I mean, when they were stopped by the police on the way from work she tried to she was like saw hard to signal to the police officer looking just come on just, like eyes open like eyes mm-hmm. eyes i'm making look at them me, me you come on i don't know i feel like we might have to call it there because we've got some other people to go into we've got the obviously the fame the the three big other cases here are the heiress patty hearst which is, is an incredible story uh, the kidnapping of Elizabeth Smart, which is pretty horrible. And then the fucking worst one of these, which is Colleen Stan. And that is, like, bad to the bone of horrendousness. Yeah. But again, that one, now that's a Stockholm Syndrome right there. That one, <laughs> that, that one, that one gets my big fingers up for... There's a 100% that's probably a Stockholm, Stockholm Syndrome. Syndrome. So, again, I feel like, quickly, one thing I'm going to quickly mention, because we probably won't talk about it on the episode, because we're going to definitely make this a two-parter. Uh, the because we're already an hour thirty in. <laughs> We've done so much for a mini. Yeah. Oh, was this meant to be a mini? Well, I think that's how we opened it. Oh, did we? Yeah. Oh, damn! No, this is a two-part full episode. <laughs> yes. This is, this is like absolutely not a chance for it to be a mini. Uh, the one thing I do want to quickly talk about because it's it's called uh, Lima syndrome. Which what Lima syndrome? Lima is named after the Japanese embassy siege. So there was a hostage negotiate the hostage situation in the Japanese embassy in Lima, Peru. And what it actually is, is it's the reverse of Stockholm Syndrome. So instead of the captives starting to feel for the hostages, it's like, I, again, I feel like it gets called Lima Syndrome, but it should also be called Stockholm Syndrome because that's exactly what happened in Stockholm. The only reason Stockholm Syndrome worked it's a two way street. is it's a two way street. You have to show the care, otherwise you won't get there. It's not like a distant dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just being distant will do it, and you'll somehow crave the approval. I don't think it works in that same sort of way. But it's yeah, it's the the case of the Japanese hostages, where which again it was a lot smaller. I think it was fourteen gunmen. It was quite a big operation, but it was a less time, and they eventually were like, "Oh shit, we probably shouldn't be having all these captors," and they just let him go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I think, all we've got for this week's episode. But we'll be back with, we'll more, be back with more Stockholm, on the Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. So as always, any queries or anything, you can drop us a line at 109oceanavenue at gmail.com. You can also follow us on our Instagram account, which is at 109oceanavenue. Or you can contact either of us personally at our own uh, handles. I'm at Stateek. And I'm at Jack Blank. And yeah, it's, again, fucking... It's, Awesome, great case to cover, and we will speak to you soon. Jack and Jamie in the evening. evening.